0: Um, We've got an awesome theme for us this evening, continuing on the book of John, we're looking at John chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. I know that we say that the verse that we're going to look at is an awesome verse every week, (laughs) but particularly so tonight. You know, this is a, I'd say that this is a foundational pillar kind of a passage, you know. you know, um, th- this, is one of, this is one of the verses in the Bible, I think, that really brings to light the kind of heartbeat of the gospel. Um, and so, um, we're going to start from John 3, verse 1, and we'll just read it through. This is about the new birth, Jesus and Nicodemus. So, Nenasmi, the title is The New Birth, and it says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Awesome, man. Eh? Awesome passage. And we see here quite an interesting confrontation between Jesus and Nicodemus it's not a confrontation that you'd say where people are going hammer and tongs it's not one of Jesus's moments where he's really getting strong on someone like we we heard about a couple of weeks ago with the the whips in the temple Mm. but there's a subtle confrontation here between heaven and between earth we have here, Jesus, the man sent from heaven, and Nicodemus, who at that point is a man from earth, thinking like earth, seeing like earth, and relating everything that Jesus is saying back to a reference point, which is ultimately earthly. But Nicodemus, we hear, is, is what what... Um, you know, the scriptures say was a teacher in Israel, a man who was of of great learning and instruction, and yet Jesus says to him, hey, you're a teacher in Israel, and you don't understand the, the elementary principles of the spiritual realm, what it means to be born from above. You know, I'm talking to you in earthly, natural typologies. I'm talking to you about things like childbirth, that you can pinpoint a natural reference to. What happens when I start to open up an even greater and deeper realm of the spirit to you and my kingdom and the mysteries that are contained within it? If you don't, you're struggling to believe earthly things. What will happen when I start to talk to you about heavenly things? And yet, it's in this moment of of confrontation that we have the greatest opportunity and the greatest potential to say man what is this guy on about he's speaking of something that's so outside of my my knowledge so outside of my reference for what this um, religion is all about and so in this moment we see a man who's curious whose appetite is wet you know he comes to Jesus it says by night. Yeah but he comes. And so many of the other Pharisees came to critique, came to judge, came to pull down, came to just find a way of being able to take Jesus out. And yet Nicodemus, he comes by night and there's a curiosity in him. But here's an earthly man struggling to understand these spiritual mysteries in his natural mind. And so Jesus is saying, these things aren't understood through through the natural mind, through your natural filters. You must receive a divine word imparted that's able to save your soul. You just can't learn about this born-again life. You've got to enter into it through the Spirit. So that's what our A-team uh, is going to unpack this evening. I think we're just going to jump straight into what what is this born-again life of the Spirit that um, that Jesus is talking about, that that Nicodemus is desperately trying to enter into and understand, but is unable in that moment. What is this born again life that, that Jesus is um, is sharing with them about? Joe, I don't know if you want to you want to kick us off the born again life.
1: Sure. Look, the first thing that struck me when I was sitting in this passage. thinking about my own entry point into him is it something that happens to you so the entry point is an entry point of the spirit it's not something that you decide to do it's not something that's a process it's a an event by the power of the spirit that takes you out of the dominion as the scripture said of the kingdom of darkness and literally puts your feet on the ground in the kingdom of god um Yes, yeah, so I think that's what I'd say to start.
0: Because childbirth is like that, right? Mm. It's like there is a process, mm. but there's a process that leads up to an event. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like birth mm. is an event, you know? Pregnancy mm. is a process. Mm. And I think it can be so easy to, to, to mix the two around, eh? You know, mm. it's like you see in the, gospel, uh, you know, in the in the scriptures, the disciples they walked with Jesus for three years and for three years he was speaking to them these heavenly mysteries of the kingdom and they were trying to grapple with them, you know, and there there was a process involved of watching and observing and seeing and trying to do different things and get involved in ministry and it was all right and good, but that process ultimately needed to come to a climax and an event. We see with Peter, eh, you know, we've talked about over the last few weeks, who said that he would follow Jesus to his death but was unable, and then in a moment of time reached this point of deep repentance, which was a moment of going from death and into life, you know, out of his own capacity and of his own ability and into this brand new position in God that he hadn't had before, eh, you know? And so process is right, but process leads to something, which is new life, eh, hey? you know?
1: That's right, and it the evidence of that. So when a baby is born, there's a response. And if the baby, if there isn't a response, if the baby doesn't breathe and cry, there's a problem. And God doesn't, that doesn't happen in the spirit. Like a born again life, there will be evidence of immediately. Not the full, we look like Jesus immediately, but it won't be then five more years before anything happens in terms of life of the spirit.
0: What's the evidence, Joe? What's what's the what is the spiritual evidence of a born again life? What can you expect to see in someone like that?
1: Do you want me to answer that in the straightaway or in the fullness?
0: You can answer however you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: look. I think the best way to answer the best way I can answer this is by what happened in my life. So, um, at the point, like, you know, on a Monday in my lounge when I passed, when he moved me from death to life. um, So, my life and our family life had been characterised by me being extraordinarily controlling of Nick. Like, you know, extraordinarily. Um, To the point where he had this job at the time where he had to work overtime to get his work done. And I just made that hell for him. So there were all of these conditions and negotiations about, oh, you have to come home and help me with the kids and then you can go back and you can't do it on the weekends and all of this kind of thing, which was about me needing to feed off him, basically he was my life source and literally from that day that stopped so like he came home that day and said i'm gonna need to work overtime and i said just do what you need not because i wasn't even church so i didn't know what this was all meant to look like but in that moment i had met love <laughs> i had met So, this thing that I was trying to extract from Nick that he was never going to be able to give me, he wasn't a Christian at the time, but that's beside the point. He's still not where I need to look for it. I had tasted this completely other thing that had this period about it that could be my security, that could be with me when I was lonely, that could, even though I didn't know the, I didn't have any words for this. But my born again response was to release him from the bondage that I had him in.
0: That's awesome. yeah, that's awesome. oh, oh, yeah. I love that, eh? I wasn't even churched. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I think, and that's what I love about this passage, eh? You know, it's like, I, I wasn't even churched. I hadn't, you know, Jesus said, you know, the, the wind blows where it blows. It's the same with those who are born of the Spirit, eh? You know? Mm-hmm that there's this new life source is what I hear saying that entered into you. You didn't find it in church, you know, you didn't find it in knowing right what the right thing that you should have done. From something that a transaction that took place inside of you, there was something new in you, a new source of life that motivated a completely different kind of selfless love towards others, hey, that, that wasn't there before. So that's, that's awesome. You know?
2: Yeah, what I, what I think that sometimes we forget because of how often we've heard this passage or read this is that this is a concept that hasn't been spoken about before. This is the first time that I've read that Jesus is using the analogy of the born-again life. And Nicodemus hasn't heard anyone else talking about this so he doesn't even have the luxury of falling on culture to get it. Mm-hmm. It's a completely new concept yeah. and the 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 amazing part about this is that Jesus isn't even talking about a physical birth. so Nicodemus is latching onto all that he can understand through his intellect and Jesus is going, I'm actually using something that you can understand to explain to you, something even far beyond that. And he has no reference point for it. And, and it's, you know, I love, I love the, the process of this. It says, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night. So he's, he's under the cover of darkness, he's a little bit hidden, he doesn't want to be found out. And he says, we know that you're a teacher come from God. So he's been talking with his other guys and they know that this is God, but they can't put their finger on it. He's got questions. He doesn't even ask Jesus a question. He just says, we know that you're a teacher come from God. We've worked that much out through our own intellect. And what he isn't saying is, we just can't get the rest. We can't put our finger on it. There's something else you're out of this world. You're out of this world. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus goes, unless you're born again, you can't even see where it is that I'm from. This is another realm and something that you actually don't have a reference point for. But I'm going to try and explain it to you so that you're hungry for what you don't know. Because I'm the answer, and in the process of this, I'm speaking about things that are, that are out of your world. And so, you know, will you seek it? Will you look for it? Will you hunger for it? And for me, I just think about it's this, I want to use the word pioneer, and it's not quite the right word, but it's something that he's going somewhere that no one's gone before. And so, like I said before, there's no reference point for it. He can't go, okay, this is is the thing, I'm going to do the stuff. And, and we do have that luxury in the church. You know, we go, oh, well, when we're, when we're really in God, we do this or we do that. Well, what about the first person that starts speaking in tongues? What did they do? It came out. They didn't have a reference point for it. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit turned up and they went, I know what happens here. I'm going to act this thing out or I'm going to look this thing. They just went, I can't control it. And it's, it's this power that's out of this world that is fueling this, and I can't explain it, but I'm in the life of it. Something's changed, and, and if someone was to give me words to the experience that I'm having, I might go, yes, that's it, but the words themselves aren't it. So... Nicodemus unfortunately was on the other side of that he couldn't go yes that's it because he didn't have the experience that the words were trying to articulate he was pre the experience looking towards
0: something rather than from it and sometimes the words in and of themselves can actually be a disadvantage eh? you know it's like for Nicodemus, having not heard the phrase born again, he's probably in a better position mm. because all of a sudden he's not able to pin it on something that's, right. that's part of religious yeah, culture. Right. eh, You know, yeah. I just, um, I, you know, at our work, we just had the public service survey. I don't know if you've done it, Joe, you know, yeah, but it's, um, yeah. you know, ask all these questions, and one of the questions is about your religion, you know, <laughs> and it gives you quite a, a range of options, you know, and it was like. Born again Christian, um, spirit-filled believer, you know, like gives you all of these, wow. you know, Anglican or, or like, you know, Church of Christ, you know, it's like, whoa, born again believer, um, follower of Jesus, um, spirit-filled. Believer. I'm like, which one do I choose? <laughs> and you just see, you just see the world's interpretation of a not of a living reality. Yeah but of a language that's been acquired over time without actually any reference for what it means to genuinely be born again, you know? And so people were trying to pinpoint the language and pinpoint a particular terminology, but but actually here what we're seeing is that it's not about words at all. Jesus is trying to put something in words that's absolutely not words, right? You know, he's trying to describe what the unseen, invisible realm looks like, you know? And actually it says that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard everything that God has for those who love him, you know? And he says, but to us he reveals those things through the Holy Spirit, you know? These things that are so, so completely hidden to man even Christians, without revelation, you know. And I think that that's the danger, eh, that we would think, oh, I've been born again because I prayed a prayer. Well, actually, what, what does it mean to be born again of the Spirit and have had a new birth within you, you know, you, you can acquire the terminology without necessarily having entered into the, the living reality of it, eh? You know, nice and so so
3: yeah. I, I just um, really resonate with that because um, Joe and I were talking on Friday night, you know, the born-again life, it's black and white. It's not like you're half in, you're half out. You know, when a baby's born, they don't stay half in, half out. It's fully born. <laughs> you know, uh, there'll be a bit... Uh, upsetting wouldn't it, actually but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uncomfortable to no. <laughs> but um you know it's a it's a full delivery mm-hmm. it's a complete it's a complete thing and um where was i going with that um but the black and white thing is like i think for so long for me personally um, my challenge has been that i've heard the born again life spoken of and i've tried to attach it onto my gray And, you know, and it's like, um, oh, but surely I can make that fit here with the thing that I think I know. And I just did that for so many years and, you know, because I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to prove something that I knew something or that I journeyed it or whatever. It's just all rubbish. But um, you've got to get to that point where you actually recognise that. And it's so black and white. It's either, you're either born or you're not, you know, it's one or the other. And I think that's what the born again life for me has illuminated. It's like, it's so clear, this or that, yeah
0: that's awesome eh? and i think it is it's it's such a good typology because Mm. there's there's no real middle ground right you know it's like to be half-born is to be dead really (laughs) you know what i mean like and that's right there's there's no gray area and i think that to me that that that's the challenge of allowing the the word of god which is christ to come and actually cut and divide mm. soul and spirit mm. and and for the Word to actually test us yeah. and not we yeah. test the word based on our prison experience, you know otherwise we're rifling through the Bible. Yeah trying to think about how it relates to us <laughs> yes. and our lives and our experience yep. as opposed yeah. to saying maybe maybe the scriptures are prophesying of something that I actually don't know yet mm-hmm. but I can know yeah. you know and and being able to enter into something that's unseen that we may not have tasted and experienced and that's we?
3: the accessorizing position isn't it where you bring Jesus into your life you take what he says and like what the woman at the well you know he offers her living water and she's like great can I have that living water so I can go away and make my life better you know I don't have to come to the well anymore and you know just make me it make my life a whole lot easier but he's saying no I want to become your life so those are the two again the two positions it's like we enter into his life fully and that again that's the difference yeah
0: I was just going to ask as well Amanda you know Joe shared a little bit about what that had meant practically for her You know, with this born again life, wh- wh- what about for you? You know, was what what changed in receiving new life?
3: Like last week, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that is the key word you just said is change. Yeah. I think um, it's like. Because, yeah, for me, I suppose that it wasn't probably quite so pronounced at the moment I received Christ, why well, I say became a Christian. I, I'm very careful I, what terminology I even use now because I, I know something different now than what I knew then. And so um, becoming a Christian and actually being born again, for me, actually, were probably different things or different times. So, um, but the born-again life for me is when his power comes in and is able to completely turn me like this, like right around and I, and have me walking in a direction and uh, living and loving in a way that I couldn't do before. It's like this power comes in. And I suppose one example of this I've shared a little bit with some of you is that um, with my own marriage um I was like really commission-led. Is it like commission? I was like, man, I'm gonna solve this. I'm gonna convince this person that they're wrong. And for 13 years, you know, I lived like that, commission, commission, commission. And then one day he came in, man, I I remember where I was, and he came in and he just went like that. And I was ready for it. There had been a process before that, but, and then I started, I had this power to love this person without trying to change anything, actually, and even to the point of nothing changes for my whole life. Even if on the deathbed, nothing's changed. I know I've got. I know he's in me to. I can love. I can love because of him. So that's that's an ability that I absolutely know is of the born again life. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, just want to want to touch on this um, passage here where Jesus says, "Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God." that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mm. And this born-again life is not something that can ever originate with the flesh, mm. because flesh and blood cannot mm. inherit the kingdom of God. It's literally impossible. Mm. So what it is that, that is, is being talked about is, is something that has to originate with him. He says that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So he was the one that originated this life in me. Mm -hmm. He spoke the word, and the word hit the ground and grew. Mm -hmm. And this life is unlike anything that was ever here before. And up until this point, this ground was either barren or full of weeds. Mm -hmm. But this seed that has been planted has a life of its own, and it is not to be compared to the life that I once knew, Mm -hmm. to the point where I am a new creation, that the the old life that I lived, and I I understand what Greg's talking about when he says, I look at this person Mm -hmm. that had this experience, and I go, that was a different person. And I go, actually, that was a different person, because I don't, I'm not inclined to the things that I was inclined to before. I have a capacity in me that I never had before, that I couldn't have worked my way into. And, you know, I guess for me, that's, that's such a massive part of it, that flesh and blood cannot receive this. Flesh and blood, and, and Nicodemus is the man who is operating in flesh and blood, trying to get it, bless him, because that's what we do. He's like, I've seen something and I want I want that because we, we believe that this is from God and Jesus is like it's not going to work like you think it's going to work. There's a new life where you start from a seed and grow like this grows, you know, but it has to be, it's
0: divinely authored. And I think to the natural man, that is the most horrific and confronting thing that you could ever imagine, right, yeah. you know, yeah. to the person who's desperately trying, it's almost like that's the worst news yeah. until it becomes the best news, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, for, 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 you know, up until that point, to hear a message that actually it's it has absolutely nothing to do with your ability, you know. the The word's got to cripple you before it brings you to life, yeah. eh? you know. And I think that that's that, you know, that that's the wrestle way. We're either on one side <laughs> of that two part. It's either inspiring because you've received life that you know that you didn't earn or work for, you know or you're still trying, and there's a process that needs to happen that brings you to an event yeah. where the seed falls to the ground and dies because un- unless it does, it can't bear much fruit, hey, you know? And that's the the fruit that's 30, 60, 100 fold because the source of life is not human effort anymore. it's It's divine power, you know? And so that's the born-again life. It's the life that the source of power... Is not your own, you know. You've you've transitioned, and and now you've received Christ in you, are, yeah. you know. So it's awesome. Mm. Are there any questions or or comments before we look at our next uh, next question? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: when it comes to like being born again, that process of dying, is it? How do I phrase this? Is it like, it's not something that you do, it's the work that God does in you so that you are able to die and be born again. Does, is that kind of like what it's like? It's just him moving. You don't actually have to do these steps. You don't have to know a certain amount about this reality. It's just him moving in the moment.
0: What a great question! <laughs> Any
2: takers? Um, yeah, I think um, I think, like Sam said before, sometimes what it is that we think we know can be a stumbling block to that because we might have an idea, we've seen some certain things before, mm. but what can I say? There's a, there are there are certain things that babies know how to do when they're born, and I. I I'm talking about the words being a stumbling block, but I think that the example that Jesus uses obviously is a great example, born again, because he is talking about a complete life, and, and it is to be compared to that. Th- that is the earthly example, but it's, it's, a, it's a great example. So when a baby comes out, so when Zeke was born, he came out with his eyes wide open, like this, he was hungry nobody taught him that he hadn't seen that that was in there and so there was something that was inherent in his genetic makeup or in his nature that that caused him to hunger for something he had actually never even eaten when you think about it he had never had food going through his mouth and yet he was hungry for something and that was completely natural and I feel like the the the, the tricky thing with this is that when this life hits or touches us or however this takes place in our own, our own experience, there's a response to this life because it is provocative. It, it requires a response. Um, when Christ found me, met me, I, I responded to that. You know. So he's the initiator. And, and we're the respondent to that. And, and you know, this is, this is the example of Zeke. He comes out and he is living as he naturally knows how to live without going, what's the thing I'm supposed to do now? He doesn't even have words, but he's communicating. And I, and I, I feel like this, this life in the spirit is exactly the same way. I have this life that's touched me. I don't even know what it is, but I know what it is. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't even say who it is necessarily, but I'll know him when I see him. You know, like, and that's the thing. So the the fullness of this life is that when we are standing face to face, my eyes will see the one whom I love and I'll recognize him because I know him. you know what I mean? And And that's the thing. Well, how will you know it's him? Because... He's here. And and he is drawing himself to himself. He's the he's the source. He's the one and, and he's you know blah 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 blah. Harabashanda Get it? <laughs> I'm just using heavenly language to describe <laughs> something.
0: <laughs> he's given up, <laughs> you know. It's the easiest way. <laughs> Um, just thinking about the first part of your question about this death to life. You know, and the, the Bible talks and uses some other words, One, you know, uses this phrase called self-abasement. I don't know if you've heard of that before, which is essentially like you trying to do everything that you can to deprive yourself of everything that you love, you know, to be able to all get to finally reach this point where you die so that you can... And it is the complete opposite of what the true gospel actually is, you know. Self, like, and I feel like I know this practically by experience and having seen something that's possible and trying my absolute best to enter into it. And so he says, you know, that um, you know, this this whole self-abasement thing is is almost like you're trying to crucify yourself, you know. And I think it's like suicide, right? And, and our, in our flesh, we are wired to live, you know? It's like we will never get to the point where we are so devoted and so knowledgeable that all of a sudden we attain this resurrected life. Do you know what I mean? It's like that—that that is man's operating system and man's way, which ultimately leads to absolute, total frustration, burnout, striving. You know, you end up feeling just completely disillusioned you know whereas the message of the gospel is a message about christ himself entering into you and when you receive him and you and you receive power on the inside it crucifies you and your own ability because you've received Now the substance and power of Christ in you that enables you to live a completely different way. And so we've got to find that place not through our own effort, but because there's there's such a tightrope between being apathetic, which is saying, well, I can't bring myself into life, so I guess whatever, I'm just going to do my own thing until God just (laughs) magically one day, boom! You know, it's like... I, I don't think, I don't know of anyone, to be honest, who has had that apathetic attitude where God has just gone zap, you know. There's still this place of positioning and hungering and asking questions and seeking and aligning ourselves and participating in and posturing ourselves before him and crying out and praying and saying god i am completely impossible I, I it's so completely impossible to bring myself into life do in me what you're promised to do in me bring me to this place of death and birth new life in me you know this life that i'm hearing about i just can't enter into it God, come and rock my world, enter into me, fill me with your presence fill me do you see what i 'm saying it 's still a position of absolute helplessness, but it 's a position that lays hold of what it is that we 've been laid hold of for you know, and so we never transition from that place to all of a sudden through our own effort we 've attained it, but with that posture comes a complete desperation you know. That it wasn't you that imparted life, you know. Yeah. Um, and does that make sense? That's literally, <laughs> literally. literally. <laughs> sweet, I to hear. cool. And so it is. It's it's a tightrope, hey. Between we absolutely cannot do it in our own ability, but we absolutely must posture ourselves for him to do this um, work of death to life in us, hey. You know.
3: I think the revelation has to come, though, of what impossible actually means. So where you know where he says um, humans can reproduce only human life, and then further in John, you know he says we are of earth and we speak earthly things. I think for me the revelation, and it is really quite a recent one, is what the word impossible actually means when he says, um, and you can't receive anything like nothing unless it comes from my Father. So. For me, the asking, seeking and knocking is through a new revelation of recognising, through the revelation of knowing what impossible actually means. Again, it's that black and white thing. It's absolutely, utterly impossible. And for me, that's where I gave up. Yeah. When I finally had the revelation of what that meant, yeah. rather than just a head knowledge of what that meant, that was where life began. I wanted to underscore
1: that. So, um, despite previous story about that dramatic death to life piece, I've had to be convinced of the same thing over the last couple of years, that it's either him or it's not. And if it's not, it's absolutely flesh and absolutely dead. It's not this this participation in the gospel isn't lets you and I kind of knock along together, God, and we'll eventually get there. It's like, I am completely incapable And you are all life is contained in you and so what had effectively hoodwinked me was the dramaticness of this death to life experience so what had started in the absolutely in the spirit had got entangled in flesh and what he had to do is go no kid um, (laughs) um, i need to show you that this is an absolutely all or nothing gospel and it's um, you know, there's that story about the, you know, it starts in seed form and it drives everything out out in our heart. Like, so long as we let it, yeah. it will, the word will perform on its word. He will perform on his word if we've received it, um, but it does require us to participate and participate looks like saying, I'm out, yeah. you're going to have to do this. Yeah.
0: And it says that in Galatians, eh? Paul says, you know, you you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to perfect yourself in the flesh? You know, and I think that is we have to. And I love what you're saying, Amanda. You know, we have to get to that point of complete impossibility before we give up. You know, that the sword of the word would penetrate our innermost being and do in us what we can't do in ourselves. You know, and I almost see it as like. Can I just borrow that piece of paper for a second? Mm, sure. It's like, for me to try and, you know, do something in my flesh to Chris, I've got my sword, you know, and I try and penetrate his heart. Hey <laughs> 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 ya <Hi-ya! laughs> <Hi-ya! laughs> But the issue is that this piece of paper has absolutely no capacity yeah. to enter into what is so... Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like... That is the that is how powerful words are. They have no the words in and of themselves have no ability to produce this born again life that we're talking about. You know, and so, but the word does, and it says that the word is a sword that enters in and it divides soul and spirit, able to between joints and marrow. And, and judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, you know? And so no earthly, fleshly, natural thing, no matter how good it is, has the capacity to do this divine, eternal work, hey? You know, we, we have to have the, the only... What is it? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit, and it's only the spirit that can penetrate in that way and, and birth this new life, hey? You know, so. Great question, Petra. <laughs> any other any other questions? Oh, yep.
2: um, What's the difference between like getting revelation and so it's like because with revelation, like you enter into something, you see something that you've never seen before. What's the difference between that? And um being born again, because with being born again, there's still maturity to come into, but I guess what yeah what what's the difference cool. that's, a good that's a good question mitch um, I'll go first um so uh, well you know one of the things that i've s se- i've said before and and this is kind of how i I explain that a little bit is that I say that I, and I'm, I'm definitely not amazing at this, so please hear my heart. I, I can hear from God because he spoke to me. So he created a capacity within me to hear what it is that he's saying. So he authored that. And I feel like um, salvation is, the, is a really similar process. So he, he initiates this salvation Uh, moment when we receive this new life this born again experience but there's a a maturing and a continuation of that 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 has to take place so this new life has been deposited in me and I love um, the born again uh, example and a seed is the other one where it's in its seed form and you know um, Paul says that uh, one one sows and one waters but God gives the increase Mm -hmm. and I feel like any genuine increase has to come from Him, and and this increase isn't by me learning new things. So revelation, and I and I don't think that you're saying this much, but I'll just say this anyway. Revelation isn't me knowing something that I didn't know before intellectually. So it's not that I read a passage and I go, "Oh, I didn't know that before." Now I've I've had a revelation. I know something. I feel like the the best example of of this revelation is is the word becoming flesh Mm, where something is revealed in me where all of a sudden i i may or may not have an intellectual understanding of it but i've become something that i wasn't before i've seen something that i hadn't seen before and oftentimes words will give clarity to the life that's been put in here Um, and so i feel like uh, one is the the beginning part of that which has to take place because unless this takes place, none of the maturing is going to take place. But the maturing has to take place through revelation as well. That's
0: right. That's right. I feel like that's a fantastic way to put it, you know. And it, it just makes me think, you know, like the way that we begin is the way that we continue. Yeah. You know, it's like. To, you know and, and I love what you said about revelation, which is not a new concept or idea, right you know Paul in galatians he, he, he talks about um, you know the revelation of Christ within him not yeah. christ wasn 't revealed to him, yeah. Christ was revealed in him yeah. you know, and in the, the way that we begin is is the way that we need to continue you know that we don 't bring ourselves into revelation we don't it, um, we, we don 't save ourselves. And because we don't save ourselves, we don't transform ourselves. Yeah. You know, and I was just think about it. You know, were you able to rescue yourself out of darkness and into life, and give yourself eternal life now, and bring yourself into, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Like we, we, we absolutely know that we can't make ourselves live when we die. Right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like death is the end of, is the end of physical life, and we. When we, hear this, when we hear a message that talks about you know living forever or uh, we immediately know that, okay, I need, I need to pray a prayer and be forgiven for my sins so, so that I can go to heaven when I die because, I'm, because we have a reference point for everyone dying physically yeah. and so we know that only God can do something that would mean that we wouldn't, right? Does that make sense? Hope you hear what I'm saying. But do we have the same reference point for our absolute inability to transform ourselves in the same way that we know that we need to believe in Him yeah. for eternal... Do you see what I'm saying? It's like the, the way that we enter in needs to be the way that we continue, yeah. you know? And so we enter in through Revelation yeah. uh, we need to grow through Revelation as He's formed in us more and more, you know? So. Cool. All right. Shall we do our next question? And then uh, in about 10 minutes, we'll stop for... Uh, Table discussion. So, got question number two. Jesus was testifying to Nicodemus about a life that exists in the unseen realm. Why was it that Nicodemus was not able to understand what Jesus was talking about? I'll read that again. Jesus was testifying to Nicodemus about a life that exists in the unseen realm. Why was it that Nicodemus was not able to understand what Jesus was talking about?
2: Uh, Nicodemus was a man of the earth, what you said at the beginning. He was not, uh, like, like uh, you said when we started, it's the man from heaven having a conversation with the man from earth. And the man from heaven has seen some things. He is, obviously, some things as well. And the man from earth just has no reference point for this. He's like, this is new stuff. And you think about when Jesus came, you know, I think um, uh, one of the things that was highlighted to me is the story of the man that was born blind who received his sight. And he's brought before the Sanhedrin and he says, Never in the history of the world has a man been born blind received his sight. Mm. This is a marvellous thing. And all they can do is think about whether
0: it's God or whether it
2: is, you know what I mean? They're so caught up in their earthly systems. And this guy who knows nothing goes, I actually see something. Not just my eyes, but I'm seeing something that you don't see. Because he's had a real encounter. He's like, they, he goes, can you guys even explain it? They can't explain it. They know what they don't want it to be. And they come with full cups. There's no room for anything else in this full cup. And this guy came with an empty cup. And I feel like Nicodemus is kind of going, he's hungry, but he, but he has no capacity even to empty himself. Because he doesn't know what he doesn't know, right? Um, and, and I think... You know, Jesus was so like that, like his whole life was things that were just out of this world. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the evidence of this born again life. Now we can we can do the things that other people have done, but Jesus says, Greater things than what I've done will those that believe in me do. And 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 of course he's talking about miracles, but there's things that when he was around, people couldn't couldn't bear, he said to the disciples, I've got many things to say to you right now, but you can't bear them, mm-hmm. you can't carry them, and so I like to think that not only does Jesus have greater works and greater miracles, but things that earthly minds can't understand without maturity, mm. concepts that are just going to rock your world, like Paul says, I was in, caught up into visions of paradise, and I can't even tell you the unlawful things mm. that I saw. What do you mean unlawful Paul? Mm. Well I could I could explain it to you but you wouldn't get it
0: mm. because it's so out of this world mm. and mm. it's there. That. Yeah, that's right. And and you know, like you're saying, you know, Jesus is a man from heaven A. Eh? They're both physically there in the room, yep. but one is from earth yeah. and the other's from heaven eh? A, yeah. you know? While still being physically located in the same conversation, yeah. you know? Yeah, I just think of it on on Friday I take Levi in to, to my um to my work. He goes and spends the day with mum and she was running late so he came with me into the office, you know, and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to understand what I do for work. <laughs> and and so here's a four year old and his reference point for my world is, is like, Daddy you go to the black work, eh? The black, the black work, and I was like, yes, it's black, you know. And you sit on, and you sit on the circle chair, eh? You know, like the spinny chairs. You sit on the spinny chair, yes, <laughs> on, the, on the, on the, spinny chair. That's all I do all day, you know, just, <laughs> go living the dream in the black work on the spinny chair, you know. But, but here's a four-year-old who has absolutely no capacity to understand the world of a policy analyst you know try to talk to him about what it means to work for government he doesn't understand what the government is you know doesn't even know there is a government you know and so and so you know in his in his world he can only engage on the things that are physically naturally present right in front of him the things that he can see and touch and feel and so we can have a talk about the chair you know we can have a talk about the computer desk and he had a play on my keyboard which wasn't attached to the computer and you know it's like he he can he can relate only in earthly things he can't actually relate to what underpins the reality that sits behind do you see what I'm saying you know and I think Nicodemus could relate To entering back into his mother's womb. But he couldn't relate to the born again life. You know, he could relate to earthly things, natural things, but he couldn't relate to heavenly things because he hadn't tasted. He hadn't. Yes, Jesus says, you must be born again to see the kingdom. And until you're born again, we'll never have true fellowship. We'll only be able to have. Friendship, relationship, natural connection as we connect on earthly things, we won't be able to have true fellowship of the spirit, but I want that for you, Nicodemus, you know. And so he in that moment he didn't have the capacity, eh, or the ability to enter into a, a spiritual dialogue, you know. And Paul in um in 1 Corinthians he says, actually, while we've been saying it's not about words, he says, we do actually speak a wisdom among those whom are mature you know but he says it's a wisdom that's not of this age or of the rulers of this age who are passing away we speak this hidden wisdom and so when you've tasted and when i've tasted let's come and let's dialogue and let's have fellowship over the person that we've come to know because we've both received this born again life and now we're talking in words but the words are just the tip of the iceberg we're sharing in this dynamic life Of the spirit and have true fellowship, not in word, but in reality and heartbeat, eh? You know? And so here's a beautiful example, eh, of a man of earth and a man of heaven having a conversation in a moment and an opportunity for Nicodemus to not just stay earthly, you know, but to enter into hope. We don't know what happens to Nicodemus, whether he actually discovers this born again life or not. We hope that he does, you know, uh, we hope that there was something about that encounter that whets his appetite for something that doesn't let him go, you know, but we don't know, But we and you can only hope, hey, you know, that he chooses to do something with what it was that he received. Sam,
5: I just wanted to introduce, it's fine, it's interesting, because we've been talking about kids all night, we've been talking about children all night, right, and babies and stuff, and so... I think this relates, you know. It says greatest in the kingdom of heaven. At that time, the disciples disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And I just wanted to relate that scripture to, you know, Nicodemus, he's a fully grown man, knows a lot of stuff. But Jesus said, unless you become like a Little child, just wanted to ask about that and how that relates. Because all night we've been talking about children and um, and what it means, what what it is that Jesus is saying about children and their entering into the kingdom of heaven. You know, because what what is it that he's saying in children that we need to come into so that we can? Like, childlike
2: mm, good
5: question. The, the thing that
1: immediately comes to mind as a link Ollie is the, the scripture that says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven so I think I think it's something the Lord said to me recently because he's talking to me about learning to be a child <laughs> is that what defines a child is they have nothing to prove to their parents but a lot to learn so it's that position of like knowing you belong and knowing that your parents have good things for you but also knowing that you don't let know yet know as you ought. Yeah that's,
2: right. <laughs> yeah, that's a massive part of it I think is um, and I actually wanted to touch on that this morning is that knowing whose you are empowers so much. Mm-hmm. So when, when we know what it is, this transaction that's taken place and that what we have received, we didn't earn, can't be taken, we all of a sudden know that we can make a mistake and it doesn't disqualify us. And I feel like that's so powerful and that actually empowers, that, that's so foundational to, to the ability to walk forward. Um, so um, I was thinking about uh, learning a language. So let's say, for instance, you had to learn uh, Mandarin, Ollie. You, you don't bring your knowledge into that because I assume you don't know Mandarin, so you don't go, oh, well, it goes like this. Mm-hmm. You all of a sudden become the best learner because you, you put yourself in a position where you allow yourself to be taught. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that brokenness of spirit is this foundational thing that, that God's talking about and working in us where we're... When, when self has been destroyed, when it's not about me anymore, when, when, when I am crucified and, and Christ is alive in me, I'm his, he's mine, all of a sudden I have the capacity to, to walk forward without fear of being disqualified. Um, and and I, I would kind of compare it to learning a language where you just go, well, well if, if you say that that's how, how I say that, then that's how I'm gonna say that. Mm-hmm because I I don't know any better. And we understand that with something which is so foreign like learning a language, but when it comes to Christian culture, everyone's an expert, you know? And I I encounter this on a building site sometimes where I'll I'll be working, and the worst thing that can happen is that I'm working for someone that knows a little bit about building. And they might try to tell me how to do it, or they've got these ideas, And it's not to say that if people know a little bit about building, it's bad news. It's not. It's that some people have either learned the wrong way or they just have a funny idea that didn't really come from anything. And I mean, I've I've done jobs before that are uh, long, big jobs, and people are like, I thought this would have taken like three days. (laughs) I'm like, it's a six-month job. You know, what are you talking about? You know, It's it's not quite as obvious as that, but... You know it is that, and I remember Sandra was was talking um, about uh, the violin, right, and you said that there have been people that are practicing themselves and they 've been training their ear to a key i 'm going to use that word, I think that 's the right word and but their, but their violin might have been tu- mistuned or whatever, and so they 've learnt something and it 's wrong they need to unlearn it and I feel like this this children 's position is one that is unlearn you actually just don't know and you know what we're always called to be like that we're not it's not something that i'm going to be a child for a little bit and then when i get some knowledge i'm going to go we should be students our whole lives and i love what jason upton says he says when you're in the company of jesus everyone's a learner
0: and i think you know just on the bat off the bat of what you're saying you know like to me, there's a massive difference between being childish yes. and being childlike. Yeah. You know, childish is an immature position where you think that you're right. Yeah. You know, and you yes. always bring something to the party. You always come with your learning. Yeah. You know, and you're unable to receive, yeah. and so you're Im- and so you're immature. But childlike is coming with this hunger and this uh, this. Um, you're not always assuming that you know it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the, the childlike position is actually the most mature position, you know? That you d- you never graduate from being childlike, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like the, he says, the greatest in the kingdom is like one of these little children, you know? Because you've learnt that your entire source of life comes from him you know what I mean you are absolutely and totally dependent you know and there's a there's a scripture that says you know when when you were younger you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wanted to walk but when you became old someone else needed to gird you and would lead you somewhere where you didn't yet know or didn't want to go you know and it's like there's this picture between actually um and and him being him being your absolute source, and you knowing that you've got absolutely nothing in your own natural fleshly ability that you bring, is the most mature position, because that's the starting point, and it's the point of ongoing growth and maturity, you know? So. Can I just um, chuck something else on there as well? So the other thing that I just
2: just um, was thinking about right then in terms of this childlikeness. likeness so when, when you're old, you run the danger of being cynical because you've seen a bunch of things, you've done a bunch of things, and this person might have treated you a certain way a bunch of times. But love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. And love, I just heard the word fresh. Children are fresh. They don't have the years of being treated the worst way or thinking that they've been treated the worst way. They're not going, oh, this person said that, therefore they mean this. Mm -hmm. A child, when they've been raised, well, they assume the best. This is my parents. They're saying something for me. I'm not reading into it and hearing something that's not being said. Mm -hmm. There's a freshness in them. And we're called to be like that as well, Mm -hmm. fresh of spirit, where someone might actually be saying the worst thing, and we go, I think that you're saying the best thing right there. Do you know what I mean? Because even if you're wrong, you're right. It's actually the right position, and God's not just calling us to be childlike in knowledge, but childlike in demeanor and in spirit and in understanding. In the sense that we don't attach things, negative things, to that. Am I saying that the right way?
0: Absolutely. Because
2: that's love, right? That's what love does. Love. When when we're in love, we're young. You know, Young doesn't keep a record of wrongs. If if Sam's late for every meeting that we come to, and he's not, by the way, it was just once. <laughs> um, let's say that Sam was late for every meeting. And, and if I'm, you know what, and Sam's like, hey, let's meet at this time. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> there's this childlike, yeah, come on, Sam, let's meet, you know. And it doesn't mean that we're foolish. It just means that we're not heavy of heart
1: and you see this in the life of christ eh? like he spent his whole life being constantly misunderstood had the, so nobody got him ever yeah. but you never get a sense of him not still yeah. being who he was
2: yeah
0: that's right it says be shrewd as serpents and innocent yeah. as doves right. you know and it's like there's a place where you can absolutely be discerning you yeah, know but actually, this that, that the discerning place doesn't take away yeah. the softness yeah. and the gentleness and the hoping all things and expecting the best in yeah, people. Right. And, you know, yeah, cool. Was I was I, I think I was childlike when I asked
4: you about this morning. With my heart. Was I? Was I? Was um, Come with childlike how I asked you. Asking?
2: Um, I'm was struggling you? to remember, Shirley. But I didn't think I didn't think there was anything unchildlike. Um, Let's say that.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. uh, oh yeah, last question and then we'll... Um. It's, I
4: just wanted to add something. Um, so like with that childlike thing, it kind of reminded me of when I first started dance um, and in dance that you have techniques, there's a right and a wrong way to do something. Mm-hmm. But then as a child when you're first in they say, okay, be fr- um, do freestyle and everyone starts doing these really complicated turns and you leap in the air and you don't care that your feet are sickled, you don't care that your legs bent, you're just dancing and you are free yeah. in that.
5: Cool.
4: And it's so childlike because it's like, um, yay, look at me, look at these things that I'm doing, I'm so free in that and I'm so joyful of it. And so yeah. I just figured that was a cool, cool.
2: Yeah, um, that's it's a great sure. example. Yes. Who are the best dancers yeah. at the front yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 free. It's the joy of being in him, you know, and just being able to be you and express who he is in you, you know. So, cool. All right, we've got uh, we've got some little flyers for discussion at tables, and uh, that's us. Cool.